It is indeed a pleasure to have this privilege to play here for you. We, we intend to give you a very fine program, so just settle back, relax, and enjoy the moment. 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 Hello and welcome back to a special edition of Mic'd Up on OM Radio. This is your daily COVID-19 news update for Low Country listeners. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden. Today's date, it's Thursday, April 23rd. And the time of this recording, it's currently 5, 10 a.m. And yesterday, parents, teachers, and students all received some long-awaited news from the governor. Take a listen. Uh, Superintendent Spearman is here with me today to make an announcement about the public schools K through 12. Uh, as you know, by uh, executive order early, we closed those schools for a number of weeks. And the decision we have made after much consultation with, uh, with a comprehensive group of people, including parents and teachers, administrators, health experts, and Otherwise, we will have decided not to reopen the schools for the rest of the school year. So the schools will remain closed uh, for the rest of the school year. And when I issue that order, which will be next week, it will provide a number of things. And one of them is flexibility for the districts and for the superintendent and others involved, the teachers, to allow for special needs classes for children um, perhaps some summer teaching of some kind and uh, other flexibilities will, that will allow them to do things that they, uh, that they do need to do. So there you have it. Governor McMaster has finally uh, announced that schools will not reopen for the remainder of the year. This is news that um, has, I, I guess, some folks have been anticipating this, this uh, announcement and some folks, I believe, perhaps were still like on the fence and not really sure which way the governor would go, especially given the fact that he's easing restrictions on um, the reopening of businesses, non-essential businesses, and other public spaces. Uh, So uh, there we have it. We finally got the word regarding our schools. Um, It does put a number of families in quite a compromising position regarding child care, some other factors as well. Um, take a listen to this clip from WCNC. Their reporting kind of goes a little bit further as to what went into this decision. Actually, I'm struck by a number of things watching this. For one, we think that the, he thinks that the risk is too great to reopen schools, but yet businesses are still re- reopening. And also, what's this mean for parents who are having to go back to work, but students won't be in school? Walk us through this. Yeah, Ben, that's actually an exact question that he was asked today, but he says he made this decision together with the state superintendent uh, of schools, and he says he also, he asked parents, he asked teachers, he asked other superintendents, polling all superintendents across the state to get everyone's input so that it wasn't a decision that he was making on his own, and he says that's how he together came to this decision. Of course, as we saw, he just announced it moments ago. Something interesting that also came out of this press conference is that he said the last two weeks of the school year that's on the school's calendar for each district, he's going to give school districts flexibility in those two weeks. So whether that means students need to come to school to get uh, collect their belongings that they may have left there. or if they need- I'm interested to, to hear from folks uh, regarding like how are parents supposed to uh, return to work, possibly those who are who will be returning to an office environment um, and not working from home. 
Uh, how are they going to to do that while their school age children um, are not attending a brick and mortar classroom? Um, yeah, I'm sure some families have already um, dealt with that detail. But now, again, with the um, Accelerate South Carolina plans, uh, the reopening of, of so many businesses, non-essential businesses, um, it'd be something to watch. I, I also I probably will track other states um, and even other maybe perhaps uh, municipalities. I might keep my eye on the Richland area. Richland is is really feeling the pressure from COVID-19. But uh, what I've seen from the city uh, management pr- uh, level, I've seen their leadership really um, set the pace for the rest of the state regarding how they're responding to COVID-19 and how they're planning, how they're testing. Um, shout out Mayor Benjamin for his uh, aggressive stance on securing testing. Um, uh, I, I got a call yesterday that uh, there are steps that the mayor in Columbia is taking that will favorably impact us here in the low country. So um I can't, you know, I look forward to seeing that. So, um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to look at local municipalities. I'm going to look at neighboring states to see how, you know, states that are very adamant about reopening so soon. I'm going to take a look and see what folks are doing, because I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how a lot of parents and a lot of families are going to manage this tough time. Uh, I'm going to keep the focus on kids, but switch to testing. Um, yeah, the the testing piece is still a huge factor for so many states, and it it uh, it informs whether or not, when, where, how states will reopen their economies, their schools, so on and so forth. Um, but there was some news regarding pediatric COVID nineteen testing. Um, this is from WCBD, our channel two. CB, excuse me, NBC News affiliate here in Charleston. Take a listen to this clip. More on-site testing for COVID-19 across the low country. This time it's being provided by pediatric doctors. There will be tented areas at Somerville Coaster Pediatrics and West Ashley Coastal Pediatrics. They'll have a checkpoint station where providers will see sick children from their parents' vehicles. Now, if you're interested, you would have to call ahead for testing, and the child would have to have symptoms. On-site testing is also available through MUSC and Wilbur Hospital. I'm going to stay with the testing piece for a minute um, and, and how... The testing perhaps may have uh, or definitely has informed the decision making from our governor and other high level elected officials. According to DHEC, as of uh, yesterday evening, uh, 4.28 p.m., we currently have a total of 4,761 total positive cases of COVID-19 and 140 deaths uh, attributed to COVID-19. So those are the numbers. And um, I read something from NPR that I, I'll, I'll hop back into. But I first, I want you to listen to this clip from WLTX out of Columbia, the CBS News affiliate there, regarding whether or not we are reopening too soon and, and what the data tells you, uh, what the data tells us all. So take a listen to this clip. It's likely a topic of discussion in most every household right now. Are we reopening the economy too early or right on time? The guidelines, the recommendations created by the White House and the CDC created a set of criteria to help state and local leaders answer that question. Opening up America again is a three-phase approach based on the advice and recommendations of public health experts. Lisa Niaves takes a closer look tonight. 
to begin reopening the economy. The White House and the CDC recommended following this set of criteria first. A decrease in the number of influenza-like or COVID-like illnesses within a 14-day period. Hospitals treating patients without crisis care with a testing program in place for at-risk workers, including antibody testing, and a continued decrease in COVID-19 cases for 14 days. So we're taking a closer look at coronavirus cases within the last two weeks in South Carolina and whether or not we're seeing a decline. Here's what we found. In week one, the cases announced by DHEC spike April 10th before going down over 50% by the end of that week. Week two, the number hits a two-week high April 16th before going down, hitting a two-week low April 20th, then going up again. If that part of the guidelines is not met, there's one more option. If there's a decrease in the number of positive tests versus the total tests given over 14 days, that will meet the criteria. So we looked at those numbers too. Neither week one or week two experienced a steady decrease in percentage of positive tests compared to the total tests by both DHEC's public health laboratory and private labs. Keep in mind, DHEC has said before there may be lags in cases reported that may affect daily numbers. Alicia Neavis, News 19, WLTX. I fashion myself a citizen journalist. Um, I did not go to school for journalism. I never called myself a reporter, um, even though I do have a media presence. Um, I went to school for poli-sci, English, and public policy. Um, but when I hear fine reporting, I want to acknowledge it. And what you just heard from WLTX was some of the most sound, some of the most um, competent reporting I've heard in a long time. And it, and it was subtle. They begged a question and then presented the facts. They presented the criteria that was set forth by our federal government. And so the question was, are we, are our states in general, these southern states, are they opening too soon? And you arrive at your own conclusion after being presented nonpartisan facts. So bravo to WLTX. Um, it's one of the reasons why I rely so heavily on their reporting because it is so sound and it is so reliable. But that was a masterclass in uh, local reporting, y'all. Just just want to call that out. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm glad that um, we're asking these critical questions. It's important to um, it doesn't have to be, I guess, inherently combative, but uh, you, we should challenge what we hear. We should follow up with questions. If things um, not just when things don't sound right, but to get to gain a better understanding of the, the complexity of the issues. Um, NPR published a piece and I'm reading it now. So if you hear I'm going to be scrolling up and down. Yeah. NPR published a piece yesterday. The headline of the article is uh, which states are doing enough testing. This benchmark helps settle the debate. Now, the, the whole testing benchmark is important because, again, this is data that's used to um, either, um, I guess, support uh, the argument for states reopening. And um, if you recall, on several occasions, Governor Henry McMaster, um, he kept referring to South Carolina as unique. And uh, he continuously refers to the data that we have as unique. And for the life of me, I, I could not understand what he was referencing specifically. Um, I didn't know if it was just maybe some kind of like, um, you know, some some morale boosting rhetoric or something. So um, basically what I what I there the conclusion I arrived at after reading this article from NPR was that there perhaps he's probably pointing to a benchmark number. Um, so according to an epidemiologist from Harvard, 
if states after after they've completed a certain level of testing, if their positive uh, case numbers are in the 10 percent range or or less or 10 percent or fewer, it's safe to start moving forward and easing restrictions. Um, however, South Carolina, we've only tested about, I think, 41,000 folks, but we are at that 10% range, according to this NPR article published yesterday. Now, the 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 gag is, <laughs> has our state been aggressive? Uh, has Have they been aggressive in trying to pursue more testing? And as I mentioned earlier, um, Mayor Benjamin in Columbia, he's been extraordinarily aggressive. Um, he's been able to secure uh, secure testing for his states, um, excuse me, for his city, pardon me, for Columbia. Uh, and um, I do believe that he is working on partnering with other municipalities, other regions to help bring that testing to those regions. Why am I bringing that up? Because more testing will, will invariably affect those numbers and that 10% number that benchmark is critical and we need to watch that so we are currently at that 10% benchmark uh, this level set by the um, the epidemiologists from Harvard that a lot of folks have been hanging their hat on this data this this research um, but I believe if we expand testing that 10% number may go up um, especially given the fact that we're seeing um, nursing homes and assisted living facilities uh, with older populations. Uh, we're seeing the numbers of cases coming out of those spots increase greatly throughout the country. And one can only imagine in a state like South Carolina that's already at a disadvantage in terms of access to health care and in terms of facilities and, and number of facilities we have, um, I have no doubt that our numbers will fluctuate. So um, I believe what Henry McMaster is doing is he's hanging his, he's hanging his hat on a temporary, uh, a moving goalpost type number, if, if that makes sense. I believe if testing it, uh, continues to um, become more accessible and more folks test and more folks, folks become aggressive with that, we're going to see some numbers do some real funky things. So I know that was not the most sophisticated way of phrasing it, but I'm a rock with it. I'm not going to edit it out. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to add that context. And as always, I always cite the news sources that I include, either even the news sources that I read from. Um, I include that information in the, the show notes of each show. So you can head on over to iTunes or SoundCloud from your desktop on SoundCloud and read or, or find out uh, more about the articles and news clips that I've included. Um, yeah, so I gave you an update on the DHEC numbers, and we're asking the question about, um, we're continuously probing this question regarding are we opening too soon? And we saw last night too, yesterday, the the governor of Georgia, oh my goodness, I mean, he was in lockstep, he was following what our president you know, pretty much was, was was tweeting, you know, liberate this state, liberate that state. Our president was showing support for these um, groups of folks who were protesting the quote unquote lockdown. <laughs> and uh, the governor of Georgia was probably one of the most aggressive governors in this southern region in terms of reopening the states because he's opening tattoo parlors and salons, movie theaters on Monday. I mean, things are going back to normal in Georgia. 
and they're you know they're 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 having some um some hot spots pop up some very critical critical cases of COVID-19 pop up so you know the president um reprimanded the the governor of Georgia and uh someone else spoke up yesterday take a listen to this guy Carolina's senior U.S. senator is not pleased with the Georgia governor's decision to open up so many types of businesses so quickly. Senator Lindsey Graham serves on President Trump's committee for reopening America again. He tells us Georgia's actions go against the protocol that President Trump set for the nation's governors. I talked to Dr. Fauci today about what they're doing in Georgia, and he was very concerned. A tattoo parlor, I mean, that's a legitimate business. I want to see people open up. Open up. But right now, going to a tattoo parlor or to a nail parlor or to the barber shop uh, or to a movie is probably more than the science would bear. There are parts of Georgia that are hot spots still to this day. And without testing and without hospital capability, you could have a, a, another run on the hospital system in Georgia. Senator Graham says Georgia's decision to open so much so quickly could also reignite the disease in South Carolina and other neighboring states. Very interesting. Um, in all honesty, he probably could say the same thing about our state and our governor. We've, we've seen um, lawmakers from North Carolina express similar sentiments regarding our, uh, here in South Carolina, our easing of restrictions. So it's interesting to see um, or interesting to hear uh, Lindsey Graham expressed concern. I mean, it's, he's right, but it's applicable to South Carolina as well. Um, that clip was courtesy of WYFF. Uh, so, yeah, it's interesting to hear our local lawmakers pipe up regarding um, what neighboring states are doing. And I, I think, too, and, and I'm trying to be as nonpartisan as possible. Um, hey, Vicky. <laughs> um, but uh, I think we've seen this, too. We, we've heard this. So whatever... Uh, our president says Lindsey Graham tends to parrot that. So I think that's also what we're seeing. So just keep that in mind. Um, it's it's kind of um, it's interesting. But um, I think that the advice or the concern that he expressed for Georgia is uh, just as applicable to us here in South Carolina. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm going to end the update for today here. Uh, I think that gets us all caught up on the schools on testing and um, where our numbers stand and and where we're going from here. Uh, shout out to the Post and Courier. I saw that they were featured just really briefly. Their reporting was featured uh, on uh, Rachel Maddow's show last night. Um, so that was, you know, that's just proof that people are watching this state. They're watching this region and um, folks are stepping the game up and reporting, reporting very soundly and, and very just just uh, churning out some pretty pretty sound reporting um so shout out to fleming mk avery uh sienna uh all those folks over at the post and courier who are churning out some good reporting and some good podcast material as well um and yeah i'm gonna leave it there i'll start rambling i'm gonna leave it there um just a note as well this is going uh friday will be the last update show the last COVID 19 update show i've been um, extraordinarily proud of the work I've done and I've been extraordinarily happy with the support I've received from uh, my colleagues at OM, um, James, Jenna, Vicky specifically, uh, have been very, very helpful in helping me bring these updates 
to the airwaves uh, twice a day. So um, I am so happy that I was able to engage in this exercise of trying to curate news that I feel low country listeners would find useful. Try to make it as brief as possible, under 30 minutes, um, sometimes under 15 minutes. uh, So you don't have to, you know, maybe perhaps consume so much news to get to some of the more pertinent issues or pertinent information. So I just want to thank you all for listening. Those who have, who have, uh, you know, been my ride or die, so to speak. Um, shout out to Candace, uh, a friend to the Miked Up show and uh, someone who sent me a, a nice note yesterday. Thank you, Candace, for your support. It means a lot. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in, who's downloaded, who sent me a little something, something via Cash App. <laughs> thank you all for supporting this content. It is it is a it does take effort. It does take work, sweat equity. Um, and, but I'm proud to do it. So thank you. Tomorrow will be the last update show. But until next time, y'all stay happy, stay happy, stay healthy, stay home if you can, no matter what's opening up. <laughs> and all my Gullah Geechee folk out there, y'all, please stay black. <laughs>